Well, hey everyone, this is Hero Worship. My name is Troy Kennedy. We are on week five of our journey together. And last week we went through this, uh, this season where Jesus spent time alone and we we're walking in imitation of him in that. And I pray that it was really a rich time for you. Some people that being alone is not easy. Um, solitude and silence is one of those things that could be considered historic Christian disciplines that a lot of people have gained a lot from. It has a way of making us more reflective, making us more uh, even proactive than we are just merely consuming the constant noise and clutter and information in our lives. This week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, but kind of related. It's this idea that Jesus slowed down. Jesus slowed down, and you see this pattern in the New Testament. But before we get too much further, just want to encourage you, uh, one, to, to understand that this podcast is meant to be a companion to the book, Hero Worship, a 12-week journey to become more like Jesus. And so if you don't have that book, you can get it on Amazon, christianbook.com, and, uh, and I encourage you to do that in community. I think we get the most out of these things when we do them together. We journey together. We process it together. Um, nobody does theology in isolation, or they, they shouldn't be doing it in isolation. So hopefully you could do this with a family member, with friends, um, with your uh, small group that meets in your home. Right now I'm, I have a group of people, uh, about 20 folks at my church, and we're actually walking through this this summer here. It's the summer of uh, 2023, and we're really having a rich time. And I, so a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from those folks, I'm actually using to inform the conversation we're having here on this companion podcast to the book. So hopefully this has been something insightful for you, and it's meant to augment the material that's in the book, not just to repeat it or be redundant. Um, and I hope you're finding this to be really sweet and really rich. And I know I'm really enjoying it. Um, one of the interesting things I've been finding out as we've gone through this journey together is the amount of um, young people. Uh, when I say young people, I mean like high school age and even younger who are doing this uh, together and, and really finding a lot of benefit. A young man, 17, 16 years old, telling me the other day how he's been walking through this 12-week journey is he got a hold of the book? We've had some like 12-year-old girls who have been in our class that uh, has been happening at my church for the last several weeks. And, and now a younger sister who is interested in the conversation that this daughter and her father are having as they go through hero worship together. Now she has a younger sister who wants to be involved. So you just never know people's receptivity to these things. And if we are pointing people ultimately to Jesus as our model for what it is to be fully human, to fully flourish, to be everything we are created to be, to live life as his disciples, living in his kingdom, as opposed to our own kingdoms, as if he were in our shoes. In what manner would he do the things that we are doing? And how can we proactively and intentionally meet with him to be transformed into his likeness from the inside out so that we will do the regular coming and going, the things that we do in our lives in the manner in which he would do them. How would Jesus do what it is that you're doing? The question used to be, what would Jesus do? And I think that's a great question. And maybe a more appropriate question for us is how would Jesus do it? How would Jesus drive through the neighborhood? How would Jesus interact with his neighbors? How would Jesus uh, greet people at the gym. How would Jesus be a lawyer or a teacher or a 
housewife? How would Jesus be a friend? How would Jesus do the things that you and I do every day? And so as we come into these practices, we are learning all the time to put ourselves in the position to be mentored by the master, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but out of love and out of admiration. And so when we talk about Jesus slowing down, we see this pattern throughout the Gospels where Jesus, um, he slows down for apparently all the people you, you're not supposed to slow down for. He slows down for children. He ch- slows down for Gentiles. He slows down for a woman who's got this checkered reputation in her community. He, he has conversations like at length with people that you just, you know, as a religious Jew, you're not supposed to have conversations with. And yet Jesus, he seems to have all the time in the world for these people. He is on mission. He is on purpose. He is moving at his own pace. And at the same time, we can't always predict what it is he's going to invest his energy in. So as you and I learn how to slow down, we learn how to slow down to, in a way to push out even more of the clutter in our lives. Um, in the book, we quote uh, author Dallas Willard. He says, for our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity, one of the most important things you can do is to relentlessly um, get rid of hurry in your life. Hurry and clutter, um, the busyness of things. can we, we can crowd out the best things with a lot of good things, with a lot of permissible things. So how do I, we identify what are the best things? How do we see those God opportunities that he puts in our path? I think very often we miss the presence of God. I think the universe, I think the world, I think your surroundings are dripping with God's presence if we will slow down long enough to have eyes to see, to have eyes to see the people who he brings in our path, to have eyes to see the opportunities that come across our path, to have ears to hear what it is he's trying to say to us. And for some reason, you just can't do those things in a hurry. You just can't bustle through life and expect to always uh, be attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to be attuned to the needs around us. For me, I have to physically walk slower as a discipline. (laughs) I have to physically drive slower. I have to pick the longer line at the grocery store. I have to pick the slow lane on the freeway. I have to go slow enough so that when that person comes across my pathway in the hallway, I don't just make eye contact. I just don't say, hey, how's it going? But I am actually interested in them and what's going on in their lives. So slowing down is a discipline for many of us. Some of you, slowing down is really natural and really normal. For some of us, it is very difficult because we tend to live in the future. You know, here's where I am today. I'm at point A. Point B is over here. There's these goals. There's these ambitions. There are these uh, things that I have in front, out in front of me that I want to accomplish. And I'm in a real hurry to get there. I want to go from point A to point B right now. And what happens is, is we miss the beauty of the journey. Sometimes point B, you never even get there. You never even get to the goal. Not to say that you don't have goals and that that's not a good thing. But the journey is just as important as the goal. Your character as it is shaped by the journey is just as important as the thing that is accomplished. 
and we become more aware and more cognizant of these things when we have the capacity to slow down, declutter, and be a little bit more reflective, be a little bit more aware, be a little bit more present in the moment. Uh, I've been studying uh, the book of Luke for a bit. I, I tend to center a lot of my study on the Gospels. And in Luke chapter 8, we see this scenario where Jesus, uh, he goes to this area which is primarily Gentiles, people who are not Jews, and he meets a man who would be unclean by anybody's standards. He's a man who is possessed by demons. He is unclean spiritually. He's unclean physically. He spends time in the graveyard around dead men's bones. He's, he's been ostracized from his community. He is unacceptable in every conceivable way. And Jesus goes to this man, and without getting too deep into all the theological implications of it, he reaches out and engages with this man who is unclean, unacceptable in every way. He's out of his mind. He's running around naked. He's, he's uh, been pushed out of his own community. And Jesus brings him restoration. Jesus reaches across and embraces this guy and changes his life. And then the next scenario, Jesus is back into to a more of a Jewish area and He's told that this uh, Jewish leader, his name is Jairus, that his daughter is dying. Would Jesus please come to help her out? So Jesus is on the way, and then the crowds are pushing in on him, and that there's a, apparently a woman who has had a, an issue of blood, some kind of menstruation, some kind of um, letting of blood in her person that has made her an outsider, has made her unclean, has made her impure. She is another person who's been pushed to the outside by her situation. And she's reaching in, she's seeking a healing, and she touches Jesus and he asks, who touched me? When everybody was touching him, but there's something special, something different, something about the power that left him in response to this woman's faith that was different. And he turns to her and he says, daughter, right? Your faith has healed you. This is another person who is unclean, who is, who is pushed aside, who is outside of her community. And Jesus touches her, embraces her, calls her daughter. And then he ends up going to this guy Jairus's house. And Jairus says, uh, the people say, oh, you know, the girl's already dead. Don't waste your time. And Jesus is like, okay. Just let's go ahead and, and, and enter in here. Let's just see what's going to happen. Jesus says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he takes uh, three of his disciples and he takes the mother and the father. They go up to the room and he touches her. He touches this dead body, which would have been considered unclean. And once again, Jesus reaches across impurity. He reaches across uncleanness. He... He traverses the, the cultural mores of the day to accomplish something. He brings life to this girl, to this woman. He says, daughter, young woman, arise. So we see in this scenario, Jesus slowing down for apparently all the wrong people. He was supposed to be in a hurry to go heal this girl so she would not die. But he does. He spends time with a Gentile man, uh, with demons 
who is unclean, who is ostracized from his community. He spends time slowing down for this woman with the issue of blood, who would have been considered unclean, who would have been on the fringes of her community, who would have been an outsider, and then goes up to a place where there is a dead body, which by every Jew's account would make you unclean, and he touches all these people. Jesus spends the time to reach across our uncleanness, our impurity, to bring restoration, to bring healing, and to bring life. So as you and I follow in the footsteps of the Savior, as we are learning how to slow down, to see the opportunities that God is bringing in our path, what does it look for you and I to speak restoration, to speak life, to speak healing, to be a bringer of wholeness and joy and acceptance to those people we would normally not even register with us in our coming and our going? Can we slow down long enough to hear the Spirit of God speaking in and through us and moving beyond us as we slow down for the opportunities He brings across our path? So, Jesus slowed down. There's many other uh, examples of him doing this throughout the Gospels, but those are, that was just something just on my heart as I had read that this morning. I want to encourage you to embrace this discipline, especially if it's hard for you, and enjoy the experience that comes across your path and see things in ways you've never seen them before as we're always in such a hurry to get from point A to point B. So if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me. My email is troy at troymkennedy.com. And uh, I would love it if you would uh, let me know how this is working for you and um, if what the experience has been like for you. If you have any questions, I would love to hear that. And I would love to be able to engage with that in future episodes. So next week, we're going to be talking about how Jesus fasted. Uh, fasting is one of those things we see a pattern in the early church. We see that a pattern in Jesus' life. We we don't see Jesus necessarily commanding fasting, but he assumes that people are fasting and is something that people have been practicing in multiple cultures for a very, very long time. So we're going to see what does that look like in the imitation of Christ for us to fast in ways that draw us closer to the Savior. So I pray this is rich as you are following in the footsteps of Jesus to love him to become like him, and ultimately to share him with the world around you. God bless you, and I'll talk to you next time.